Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Around 8 a.m. Wednesday, January 18th, a forest defender who went by Tortegita sent out a text message that read, Morning Raid, please help. Just minutes prior, a multi-agency coalition of heavily armed law enforcement officers, led by the Georgia State Patrol, began a raid on the Walani Forest in southeast Atlanta. Encampments have sprung up throughout the forest since November of 2021 in protest and militant opposition to a proposed militarized police training facility with a mock city to practice combating civil unrest in the wake of 2020. The corporate-funded Atlanta Police Foundation seeks to control over 300 acres of the Walani, or South River Forest, to construct this sprawling, state-of-the-art police compound with a starting budget of $90 million for its first phase of construction. The police raid on January 18th, 2023, started off pretty similar to previous raids that had taken place in the prior months. But for the Georgia State Patrol, seemingly it was their first time leading such a raid in the woods. Police shut down the parking lot at Entrenchment Creek Park and nearby streets before entering the tree line with guns drawn. Within the first hour, SWAT teams arrested two people in the woods and destroyed multiple tents. And then shortly after 9 a.m., forest defenders in the woods reported hearing a rapid sequence of about a dozen gunshots. Quickly, news spread that Georgia State Patrol officers shot and killed a protester in the woods who was defending the forest, and that a state trooper was being sent to Grady Hospital with a bullet wound. After the gunshots rang in the air, police were quick to publicize a palatable sequence of events depicting an exchange of gunfire. 
Rather predictably, the police claimed that the deceased forest defender had surprised the armored SWAT team and fired first. This is Peter, a forest defender I talked with a few days after the shooting. So, luckily, I wasn't in the woods on that day. Um, just on a whim, I decided to stay in town. Um, the day of the shooting was really jarring. Trying to figure out who was safe and who was unaccounted for was like the main thing on my mind for most of the day. And by the afternoon, I realized that it was probably tort. The last message that they sent was at 8 a.m. saying, Morning Raid, please help. Um, and the shooting was at 9 a.m. It was a weird space to be in of knowing that it was likely Torti Gita that had died, but not being able to grieve yet because not really having confirmation. The only eyewitnesses were the police, and then all the other witnesses, just like, heard noises. In contradiction to the exchange of gunfire narrative, activists on the ground reported hearing a single burst of gunfire and suspected that the injured trooper was hit by friendly fire and cautioned against taking police narrative as fact due to cops' track record of lying about police killings and covering for fellow officers. Here's Sam from the Atlanta Community Press Collective for more information about the sequence of events that day. We know from speaking to people who were in the area on that day that PD, well, the various police agencies that were involved in the raid began the operation around maybe 7.30 or 8. Records show that two people were arrested maybe 30 to 40 minutes before Tort was shot. Tort was shot around 9 a.m. Um, some of our our sources that were in the woods at the time say they only heard like one, I guess you could call it a, a volley of gunfire, followed by a large boom. You, you can speculate a lot about those statements, but they were pretty independent. They, they were almost all identical and independent of each other. We know that... Sorry, it's, it's hard to talk about. Um. Yeah. It wasn't until late into the night that people in the movement were able to confirm that the person killed by the Georgia State Patrol was Manuel Tehran, also known by their forest name Tortigita, which means little turtle. Tortigita was a young, queer, Afro-Venezuelan 26-year-old forest defender, described by friends and loved ones as your friendly neighborhood anarchist, as a kind, earnest, fierce, welcoming, funny, exceedingly helpful, and brave person. They were an artist, an urban farmer, a trained street medic, and heavily involved in mutual aid all across the South. This is It Could Happen Here. I'm Garrison Davis, or just Gare. And after checking in with friends and various people I know in the movement, I made my way down to Atlanta late Wednesday night. I've been reporting on and writing about the Defend the Forest and Stop Cop City movement since summer of 2021. Uh, last year, in 2022, I put out around six hours of audio related to the forest encampments, protests, organizing, weeks of action, and the forgotten history of the prison farm that operated on the land Cop City is slated to be built on. But these new episodes serve as a follow-up to the two-part series from last May titled On the Ground at Defend the Atlanta Forest. 
but the various updates put out since then will certainly help fill in the gaps. This four-part series will feature interviews with forest defenders, audio clips from on the ground in Atlanta, and accounts on what's changed the past few months. Episode 1, which you're listening to right now, will largely cover the events around the shooting itself. Episode 2 will get into who Tortuguita was as a person, and the stories about them from friends and comrades. Episode 3 and 4 will cover protests in the wake of the police killing, state repression, and how the movement might evolve going forward. Due to increasing state repression, we will be using a mix of voice distortion and redubbed voice replacement for some of the interviews and discussions I had with forest defenders on the ground in Atlanta. Uh, speaking of, the next forest defender you're going to hear from is Cricket, uh, talking about their experiences the day of the shooting. God, I mean, I can only obviously only speak for myself. Um, for me, it was terrifying. Uh, we. We had obviously already lived through the raid in December, but when we heard someone had been shot and killed, it was it was terrifying, in, in part because of the complete lack of information. Uh, we had so few details for so long, and it wasn't, at least for me, it wasn't until the following day that I found out that it was tort. Um, and it it was just devastating. I mean, there's not really words for it. It was like, it felt like the world stopped and then kept going, but it shouldn't have. Like, it felt like it should have stayed stopped. Like, it... It shouldn't have kept turning. After the deadly shooting in the morning, the police continued their multi-agency raid of the Walani forest in a pretty regular fashion, with cops reportedly firing pepper balls at people up in treehouses and making arrests throughout the day, into the night, and even the next morning. I think a total of seven folks were arrested in the forest that day. It might have been six... Six arrested on the day Tort died, and then one person remained the last tree sitter. The last person arrested in the deadly police raid was up in the trees overnight and surrounded by police for about 20 hours straight. All seven people arrested in the forest were charged with criminal trespassing and domestic terrorism. There was one person who remained in a tree set because we had some communication with them throughout the night. They were just, like, perched in, in their climbing rig in a tree um, for about 12 hours until a little after sunrise when DeKalb County SWAT moved in and took them into custody, I guess you could say, as they were trying to repel uh, back up the tree. They had been in the tree pretty much the whole day and then all night. Um, they ran out of food and water, I think, sometime after nightfall. And then after dark, they, they were turning their phone on and off to, to conserve battery. So it was a little sporadic. They were able to send us some pictures of two cops standing in a, the platform of like a, a truck you would use to work on a telephone pole. And uh, they both had like the SWAT operator helmets on and one of them had a long gun. And then later on in the evening, four or five police cars just like backed up to the tree and just like surrounded the tree and shone their spotlights up in the tree. And they didn't, the, the cops didn't, they were up there overnight, they didn't say anything. They were just waiting. They were just waiting for the sun to come up so, so SWAT could move in. 
the night of the shooting, before we even knew who was killed, there was a small vigil turned march in the Little Five Points neighborhood of Atlanta. The first 24 hours after the shooting were extremely hectic, as many people were not even sure who the police had killed. Obviously, the first thing on everyone's mind was who, who, who was killed. And by late Wednesday night, some folks that helped us source our reporting um, came to us saying that they believed it was this person, um, that they believed it was Tort. A lot of people's friend was just murdered by the police. And folks wanted to get ahead of the police narrative. And as a community press collective, of course, we wanted to support the community in that. Um, so we just immediately offered like, to post whatever um, Tort's family and I believe their, their partner consented to. Um, that, that was the, the primary thing once the community had kind of definitively, definitively identified that it was Tort, was obtaining consent from, from those closest to Tort to publish their name, any pictures, details. And we wanted to give people a way to help tell everyone who was about to be paying a lot of attention to the story who Tort actually was and not who the police would like people to think Tort was. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. 
we're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. State agencies were swift in their attempts to control the narrative surrounding the deadly raid. Hours after the killing, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation set up a press conference as the raid was very much still ongoing. First, a GBI spokesperson explained the purpose of the raid. The operation's goal is to secure the site of the future City of Atlanta Public Safety Training Center. Next, GBI Director Mike Register gave his account of the day's events so far. As you are aware, a few weeks ago, several individuals were arrested for domestic terrorism in the area around the future site of the public safety training facility. This morning, the GBI, with other local, state, law enforcement agencies, such as the Cab PD, Atlanta PD, the Georgia State Patrol, and Georgia DNR, conducted a planned clearing operation to remove individuals who were illegally occupying the area. At approximately 9 o'clock this morning, as law enforcement was moving through various sectors of the property, an individual, without warning, shot a Georgia State Patrol trooper. Other law enforcement personnel returned fire in self-defense and evacuated the trooper to a safe area. The individual who fired upon law enforcement and shot the trooper was killed in the exchange of gunfire. The GBI is working the officer-involved shooting, and the investigation is still active and fluid. The circumstances was an individual confronted law enforcement, uh, and I don't think that he was seen until he fired. I'm not sure, right? Later that day, a GBI statement claimed that officers located Tort inside a tent in the woods and that they did not comply with verbal commands from law enforcement officers. The day after the shooting, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation also announced that there is no body cam footage of the incident. They also claimed that 25 campsites were located and removed Wednesday and that, quote, mortar-style fireworks, edged weapons, pellet rifles, gas masks, and a blowtorch were recovered, unquote. After people pointed out that the list of recovered items was absent any firearms, the next day, the GBI released a photo of a 9mm handgun allegedly found at the scene of the shooting. It was the only firearm police claim they found in their extensive sweep of the forest. The GBI has been as the you know, independent agency investigating all of this, um, has changed their story a little bit, which it was a breaking news story. I think they first went before the cameras at noon when it happened at 9 a.m., not to grant the police any kind of leeway at all, because fuck them. But it was a rapidly evolving situation, as they say. That said, the story changed kind of dramatically over the first few days. They released an initial list of like items that had recovered, but it didn't mention a gun. And then when 
the community kind of said, hey, you said torch shot this this trooper, where's the gun? Then a gun was produced. And then when people still didn't believe it, the GBI said that they had a, a bill of sale for the gun. The GBI and Georgia State Patrol have also come out and said that they won't release the identity of the trooper uh, for concerns about their safety. Results from an independent autopsy were released on February 3rd. It found 13 gunshot wounds. Attached to the report was a statement from Tortuguita's family, of which I will read, quote, The GBI has claimed that Manny shot an officer, and that the bullet matches the gun possessed by Manny. But even if that is true, there are still many unanswered questions. The GBI has selectively released information about Manny's death, says civil rights attorney Jeff Filipovitz. They claim Manny failed to follow orders. What orders? The GBI has not talked about the fact that Manny faced a firing squad, when those shots were fired, or who fired them. While the GBI has publicly stated there's no body camera footage of the shooting, it has not stated whether there is any audio or other video from other sources, such as aerial drones or helicopters that were used during the time of the incident. The family has contacted the GBI and specifically requested that it released whatever audio and video exists of the incident or any other information that would shed light on what happened. Any evidence, even if it's only an audio recording, will help the family piece together what happened on the morning of January 18th. This information is critical, and it is being withheld, said Brian Spears, a civil rights attorney with nearly five decades of experience litigating police shootings. Unquote. Whatever you believe about the exact series of events that led to Tort's death, personally, I doubt that we'll ever know what happened for sure. But regardless... The killing of a forced offender at the hands of police, coupled with the domestic terrorism charges, marks a significant escalation in the fight against Cop City. And even environmental activism in this country at large, as this seems to be the first killing of an environmental protester by U.S. law enforcement. As horrific as this escalation is, it's not out of the blue as one might think. All the way back in May of 2022, police were already talking on scanners about using deadly force against Stop Cop City protesters. Oh, yeah, right? Told you. Deadly force encounter. So last time I was, like, in the woods for a decent amount of time was, like, last last spring, last summer. Mm-hmm. What, how has... In, in what ways has, like, living in the woods changed since then? Like, what, what, what sort of uh, developments, I guess, has, has there been... Well, one thing that's changed um, in the day-to-day life in the woods in the past several months is that the raids by the police have been more thorough. And so it's required a lot of more vigilance to live in the woods and a lot more being aware of places to run and hide and escape routes. The past few months, police raids have been increasingly violent and destructive. From the demolition of the gazebo in Wolani People's Park, to the flattening of community gardens, and the trashing of makeshift cafes and kitchens within the forest. Using consistently escalated violent tactics, police have routinely attacked protesters with chemical weapons and rubber bullets, have cut tree limbs and safety lines from under them, and reportedly threatened lethal force often targeting just peaceful people who were sitting in trees or walking through the public park. In an article for The Bitter Southerner, 
An unnamed tree sitter spoke about a police raid in September of 2022, where they described their interactions with law enforcement as such. Quote, they threatened to shoot me. They didn't draw their guns, but they talked about it. Several showed their sidearms while locking eyes with me. They very easily could have killed my friend in the other tree sit. It was fucking nuts. Unquote. And here's a bit from Peter again. Ever since the beginning, it's, it's been on my mind that, you know, there's a possibility of people dying in the woods. Ever since I started living in the woods, beginning of the encampments, it was just something that kept coming up into my mind as a possibility. I think before this happened, though, people were generally under the impression that the police wouldn't murder forest defenders because it would look bad for them. Just a month prior to the deadly January raid, Another police raid took place a couple weeks before Christmas, which resulted in the first domestic terrorism charges being levied against people arrested near the forest. In the aftermath of this raid, a spokesperson for the Atlanta Solidarity Fund talked about the developing pattern of police escalation against the protest movement, and warned that steadily increasing police repression would lead to protesters being killed. And it's clear that if the public doesn't respond, if the public doesn't do something about this, that escalation is going to continue. Are we going to end up in a situation where the police are murdering protesters in order to advance not public safety, but their particular political agenda in building Cop City? The use of inflated charges like domestic terrorism not only make life for the people charged a living hell, it also lays the narrative groundwork to justify extreme physical escalations of force and increasingly brutal crackdowns. Take it from the GBI director himself. As Director Miles said, I'm Director Mike Register of the GBI. And over the last several months, law enforcement and portions of our community have experienced growing criminal behavior and terroristic acts committed by individuals and groups concerning the building of Atlanta's new Public Safety Training Center. These individuals and groups have attempted to disguise their activities as being protests against the building of this facility. I'm going to read a short quote from an article for the Inhabit Territories newsletter that sums this up nicely. Quote, the violent escalation which led to this murder comes during increased and coordinated repression against the movement to defend the Atlanta forest. Where the movement has built a diverse and welcoming community through years of organizing, the police have used every tactic to badmouth, harass, threaten, surveil, criminalize, and attack participants." Unquote. One of the forest defenders I spoke with, who goes by Noah, talked about coming to terms with something that everyone kind of knew was a possibility, but still had this element of shock and disbelief. I think it was really, um, it was really shocking. I, I think any time you introduce police in, into a situation, you have the possibility of somebody dying. That's what cops do. They murder with impunity. Um, so I think, like, anybody who was out in the forest, anybody who spent time in around activism uh, against the police knows that this is, like, a thing that can happen to, um, to people fighting against various types of state power, but it was... It was really, really shocking. I think everyone was just kind of at a loss. I personally, I mean, it just kind of like, I don't know, I sat with it for a really long time. It was just kind of like, there was an era of disbelief to it, just kind of knowing that like, these were the people 
we were that we are we're fighting against and like this is the type of thing that they're capable of but just being very shocked and really scared that like this is where we were that like the police were now killing activists and you know uh, in all likelihood going to get away with it uh, was a really terrifying implication for the future of the movement and for the future of all uh, social struggles in the u.s yeah. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Following news of the shooting, the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, which provides bail and legal assistance to political prisoners, protesters, and activists, put out a statement saying, quote, Georgia State Patrol's story is suspect. They've released few details. We are concerned a police cover-up could be underway. We are preparing a legal team to investigate and pursue a wrongful death suit, unquote. Here's Cricket again talking about the trustworthiness of the official information being released about the shooting. And I mean, we still have so little information, uh, and the, the information that we do have is so tainted. It's so untrustworthy that it doesn't actually feel like information at all. It doesn't feel like we can, it doesn't feel like information we can trust. That's, that's sort of the long and short of it. 
Last month, over 1,300 climate justice and racial justice groups from across the United States joined Atlanta residents and community organizations in calling for an independent investigation into the killing of Tortiquita. In any police shooting, you'd like to see an independent investigation because how can you let the person who shot the gun investigate the crime, right? So it was it was a pretty easy thing to call for, but especially given the inconsistencies in everyone's story, you know, the GBI has said has changed a couple times, like the sequence of events and that first like Tort surprised them, then they surprised Tort, then Tort was in a tent. You know, the narrative has has changed a couple times. GSP, Georgia State Patrol, also does not wear body cams. And that was that's not that's just a day to day thing for them. That's hate to say it, but that's not a something they did specifically for this raid just to, to screw the movement over. That's it's it's actually the pretty well known issue in the state. Their refusal to wear body cams considering how many people they kill every year. There's it has come out that APD says that they have body cams after the incident. Yes. Um, we know the raid was kind of a joint operation between Georgia Bureau of Investigation, Georgia State Patrol, Atlanta Police Department, DeKalb County Police Department, um, and some other state agencies. Georgia State Patrol seems to have been the ones in the immediate area when it seems to have been a trooper that, that shot Tort. Um, Atlanta Police first came out and said that there was no body cam footage, that they weren't there. And it seems to be true that they weren't in the immediate area when the shot was fired, but they kind of later had to correct themselves and say, well, we have body cam of the incident, but we're not going to release it. Like of the incident itself or like, like during the time of the incident? Yes. Of what their officers were doing in the part of the raid they were do they were enacting um, when Twert was shot. I have seen claims from both local media and law enforcement that the GBI investigation does qualify as independent. Framing the GBI's investigation into the actions of the Georgia State Patrol as this separate, non-biased operation, despite the GBI being fellow participants in the deadly raid. As an interesting little side note, the Georgia State Patrol and the Bureau of Investigation began in the late 1930s as two branches of the same agency, the Georgia Department of Public Safety. So the standard in the state, I'm sure a lot of places, when a person is shot by the police, you get a supposedly independent agency to uh, review it. In Georgia, it's usually the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. But the GBI was a participant in the raid. The GBI has been involved in... The GBI has been present for several forest raids. Um, Open records requests show that they've been involved in emails and conversations about the forest for quite some time now. We know their agents were on scene, were probably in the woods when Tort was shot. In addition to that, they're both state agencies. In addition to that... They're still police. Police are going to cover for each other. We know this by now. A day after the shooting, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation stated that there was no body cam footage of the incident. But open records requests were filed asking for body cam footage from the forest around the time of the incident, not only from the state patrol, but also from the Atlanta and DeKalb County Police Departments. 
Two days after the police killing, an Atlanta PD spokesperson said that APD officers were not in the area of the shooting and that no footage from Wednesday's operation would be released, citing the ongoing investigation. And then, a whole three weeks after the shooting, on February 8th, the Atlanta Police Department released body cam footage from four officers who were in the woods at the time of the shooting. An officer in the group estimated that they were just 100 feet away. I'm not going to play audio of the gunshots or any use of police weapons, but I'll be including a few brief snippets of police chatter that I and others found relevant. Most of the clips will only be a few seconds long, so you can skip ahead if you want. I'll give you a heads up. At time of recording, there are four videos released, and they show a self-described quote-unquote clearing operation being done by a single group of APD officers. Shortly after tearing apart and slicing up two tents with a pocket knife, suddenly four gunshots are heard nearby, followed a second and a half later by a large volume of gunfire. I estimate over 30 gunshots fired by multiple weapons. No verbal commands were picked up by the microphone. Two chest-mounted cameras were rolling before the shooting. 45 seconds after the gunfire, APD officers were told to turn on their body cams, and two more cameras began rolling at that point. Officer Down started getting repeated over the radio, but initially there were questions among officers about how much of the sounds heard were fireworks versus gunshots. Multiple officers identified hearing suppressed gunfire, meaning the use of a quote-unquote silencer. Here's two clips totaling around 15 seconds. Just minutes after police opened fire and killed Tortuguita, an APD officer on the ground said this in response to the Georgia State Patrol trooper that was shot. You fucked your own officer up. You fucked your own officer up. Possibly said in response to other officers noting that the gunshots sounded suppressed. Confirmation spread on the ground that a state trooper was shot, but never once mentioning anything about a protester firing. Police continued advancing toward a nearby tent with guns drawn, and officers yelling back and forth to check their crossfire. Hey, watch crossfire, guys. Crossfire, watch the crossfire. Stay alive. Stay alive. As teams were organizing the evac of the injured trooper and warning about crossfire, police stated that they did not want to cause another incident. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm just, we just need to hold until we can get them out. Get the officer out first. We don't want to cause another incident. At this point, there was a great deal of intentional coordination of officer movement and a lot of effort being put into preventing police officers from being in each other's line of fire. This next batch of audio will be a little bit longer, about a minute. Hey, watch crossfire over there. Watch crossfire. We're on the other side. Listen, 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 what I'm saying. Everyone is back here, so we need to shift. There's, everyone is back here. So if y'all shoot from that side, there's more 
Come this way. We're going to shift this way. Party, come on. Go around. Okay, cool. We're going around the other side. Got you, got you, got you. Go around. Hold on. Hey, hold on, hold on. Wait right there. Wait right there. Wait right there. I got you. I got you. Wait right there. Check the semicircle. I got you. This is the base of our of our semicircle. Everyone needs to shift back this way. Hey, keep coming this way. Keep coming back this way. Good. Anybody get in contact with anyone from who is that right there? Sergeant. The Chandler. They need who? Police started firing off flashbangs and prepping chemical weapons as they moved further into the woods near where the deadly police shooting just took place moments prior. Police! Canine! Or you will be bit! Fuck around and you're gonna find out! From another angle, you can hear a cop laugh in response to his fellow officer threatening, fuck around and find out, just minutes after police killed a protester. If you listen carefully, you can hear an officer muttering about how large the police presence is, saying, we've got so many resources, we don't need to rush this shit. Cops shot off, quote-unquote, less lethal pepper balls at an unoccupied green tent and only ended up gassing themselves as they had to walk through the peppered-up trees on their way to the tent. Literally, there was over a minute and a half of just straight coughing. When they arrived at the tent, officers got into a brief conversation about the deadly shooting that just took place and the injured trooper. Remember that just two hours after the shooting, even before the Georgia Bureau of Investigation's first press conference, the Defend the Forest Twitter account said, quote, We have reason to believe the officer shot today was hit by friendly fire and not by the protester who was killed, unquote. In an extremely uncharacteristic move, the GBI put out a statement commenting on the evidence during their ongoing investigation, cautioning against quote-unquote speculation and that quote, memory and perception are fragile and a myriad of factors can influence perception and memory, unquote. The morning after the body cam footage went public, a statement was released by Tortiquita's family saying quote, the videos show the clearing of the forest was a paramilitary operation that set the stage for the excessive use of force, and also call into question previous reporting regarding the events leading up to the police shooting, unquote. Tort's own mother, who recently arrived in the United States on an emergency visa, said weeks ago in an interview for The Guardian, quote, I will go to the U.S. to defend Manuel's memory. I'm convinced that they were assassinated in cold blood, and I'm going to clear Manuel's name. They killed them, like they tear down the trees in the forest, a forest Manuel loved with a passion, unquote. There is an official GoFundMe for Tortuguita managed by and for their family, 
with funds going to funeral expenses, plus travel, legal costs, and to support the family in general during this time of immense grief. The fundraiser will be linked in the show notes. This first episode has been a lot, tackling many of the most gruesome aspects of the struggle thus far. Cricket talked about one way of responding to this influx of anger and grief that everyone's been experiencing since the shooting. Yeah, I mean, there's just been there's been so much grief and so much anger and so many people coming together and so many people trying to support one another. There's been a at least among the folks I know, um a lot of trying to think through like what would tort do, WWTD and like loving one another and supporting one another keeps being one of the first things on that list. We will hear more about Tortugita in the next episode, memories and stories from friends, partners, and comrades, based on conversations and moments from the vigil. But today, I'll leave us with the words of Tortugita, quote, The abolitionist mission isn't done until every prison is empty, when there are no more cops, when the land has been given back. That's when it's over. I don't expect to live to see that day, necessarily. I mean, I hope so, but I smoke. Unquote. Music for this episode by The Narcissist's Cookbook and Propaganda. See you on the other side. Yeah. The rain on leaves tickling, the earliest of instruments. The melody we mimicking is the sound of wind whistling. Long before the sapiens chanting under the stars, or camped under a canopy, she sang her own song, and she was far from silent. No virus or violence, but the fragrance of her flowers it continued to invite us. A medicine, materials, our vitamins, our minerals, and all that is essential, which just grew right beside us. Entice us, started fighting over the gifts that she provided us, scorching the very soil that all of us derive from. And when empires learn and can't withstand fire We return to the land where our ancestors rain dance We are all her creatures, we still bear her features The one and only reason all living things is breathing The city's deceiving, leave, go see the dirt Young go be among the lungs of Mother Earth Cause Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
a new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.